Well, I am thankful for all who have led us in worship this morning and thankful for the opportunity to continue our sermon series about these head scratchers, these parables of Jesus and surprising stories throughout the New Testament. Father Michael Renninger, the pastor at St. Mary's Catholic Church here in Richmond, he tells the story of attending a Broadway show at the Gershwin Theater in New York City. He was attending a revival of the musical Oklahoma. The audience was abuzz with excitement. And right in front of the reverend sits a nice family and their two-year-old little girl. Now, Renninger was really excited for this production, and he was most disappointed to have such a distraction in front of him. Now, who brings a toddler to a Broadway production? What kind of parent would bring one so little to a three-hour-long show? Surely this kid is going to scream and squirm through the whole thing. As Father Renninger tells the story, he's getting ready to alert the ushers preemptively of his displeasure when he sees a nice family walking in and sitting right behind him. A nice, sweet family of four. The mother is in a lovely ensemble. The father in his suit and tie. The the daughter is dressed well for the theater. And even the youngest son, about nine years old, is in a coat and a tie. For Father Renninger, this is what the theater is supposed to look like. As he tells the story, the lights dim, the show begins, the toddler in front of him yawns and sleeps through the entire production. But behind him, the nice picturesque family, they're whispering and texting on their phone and unwrapping candy wrappers, and they are the major distraction during the show. A lesson that is learned is that one must not judge a book by its cover. Or as the Gospel of Matthew might put it, one cannot be sure which is a weed and which is wheat. As we continue this sermon series, the message from this morning It's from Matthew 13, verses 24 to 30. Jesus telling of the parable of the wheat among the weeds. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No. For in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bring them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Let us pray together.
God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts together, be pleasing in your sight. Amen. The parable of the weeds among the wheat, or the wheat and the tares, is only found in Matthew's gospel, and it gives a strange description of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a wheat field that has some errant weeds dispersed within. We see the problem. And the simplest way to solve the problem might be to follow this logic. A wheat field is supposed to contain wheat, not weeds. The weeds must be removed. So send some folks to unearth and pull up and remove these pernicious weeds and tares that aren't supposed to be in the field to begin with. Problem is... The removal of these offenders is likely to have adverse side effects for the wheat. The roots of the wheat are likely connected to the weeds. They're enmeshed and intertwined together. To remove one is to remove both. What is a farmer to do? Now, these pesky weeds are nothing new for us today. They're likely in your yard. They're certainly in mine. And they can cause some major issues beyond an unsightly lawn. The amount of plants technically that qualify as weeds are astounding. The U.S. Department of Agriculture listed that over 50% of our flora is made of species that to some are considered undesirable, or noxious weeds. In California, baby's breath that most florists use is considered a noxious weed. The common dandelion is seen by some as a nuisance, but it scientifically has benefits for human. The flower is highly nutritious, and its benefits range from lowering blood sugar to boosting immune health to skin care, but I've never been brave enough to try one, have you? As Ralph Waldo Emerson put it, a weed is simply a plant whose virtues have not yet been discovered. So which is it? Are these weeds a terror and a nuisance that must be removed before they choke out all the healthy plants? Or are these weeds simply misunderstood with their potential undiscovered? This is one of those preaching pericopes that's helpful in context, especially when Jesus explains this parable later in the chapter. Jesus explains that he is the good sower, and the field is the world. The enemy is the devil, the harvest is the end of the age, and in Jesus' explanation, he gives a great deal of time to addressing the characters of the story but he doesn't address the problem of what we're supposed to do with this mess of sorting in this mixed body. In fact, that's the exact term used by Augustine to describe the church. Augustine explained that the church is a corpus per mixtum, a mixed body. While the church may set itself as separate with holy and pure intentions, it is made up of imperfect people. The church does good things and evil things. The church is full of sinners and saints. 
The church is holy and yet at times unsanctified. The church has healed some and abused others. Matthew may put it this way. The church is full of wheat and weeds. As Theodore J. Wordlaw, the president of Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary says, this parable shines a bright light on our inevitable human preoccupation with drawing lines between who's in and who's out. Much like the story shared by Father Renninger, we often think we know who is a wheat and who is a tear, but quite often we are wrong. Or perhaps we are made wrong over time. In eventuality, what looks like wheat may itself reveal itself to be a tear or vice versa. We might assume who doesn't belong and who does, and in so doing, we might make the wrong selection. The human preoccupation between who's in and who's out is somewhat natural. We sometimes have to make calculations based on context of what makes sense and what doesn't. If something is supremely out of place, it would be unwise for our minds to not notice such an irregularity. Part of this is a pattern of what fits and what doesn't fit for human survival. But the problem comes when we size people up into these neat categories. We start to define people based on our own calculations, and we forget that all people are made in the image of God. The wisdom ascribed in this parable is for a farmer to be patient, to wait for both the wheat and the weeds to grow and reveal their true self. Neither will be unearthed prematurely, but instead when the harvest comes, the truth will be made known and sorted accordingly. While we are likely to make initial reactions, the parable makes clear that God is the one that does the separating and the judging, not us. In our care and desire for a better world, we may attempt to speed up the process by attempting to remove evil or pull up the tares of this world to make a wheat field look more like a wheat field. This too is not our job. In the description given by Jesus to the parable, we as children of God are the wheat. We are to grow and mature and be faithful and obedient to God's law and commands. While we may be tempted to size up the plants around us and to try to diagnose and compare our wheatiness to their weediness, this is also not our job. There's another angle on this parable, and that is one of redemption. Instead of picturing the church as a field, if we picture our life as a field, wheat and tares grow intermingled within our own souls. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans 7:15, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. In our awareness of our problematic and troubling behavior, we may feel the temptation to pull these weeds out on our own. But the problem is beyond our own fixing. We cannot save ourselves. 
We cannot remove the flaws and sins of our life just by trying harder and willing ourselves to be better. We cannot manifest virtue and ethics and attempt to walk as followers of Jesus. But instead, we need a patient farmer. We need a patient savior. The parable of the weeds among the wheat is a story of patience and judgment, of gathering and separating, preservation and destruction. But it's ultimately a story about redemption and making things right in time. When we purchased our home in 2018, the previous owner had a lawn care service, and I was very much an amateur at every aspect of home ownership. I had never even owned a lawn mower, and I was gifted one by a member of this very church. And lawn care was really easy that first season. I'd mow the lawn and periodically enjoy the fruits of someone else's previous labor. And then it started happening. The crabgrass, the dandelions, the chickweed and the clover. Before I knew it, I could not keep up with pulling out these pernicious weeds from our yard. I remember pulling weeds out of a mulch bed and literally giving up one day. There were too many. It was too plentiful. It wasn't worth the work. And in my mind, it could not be fixed. In my yard, the weeds had declared victory. This picture stands analogous to the beginning of many Christian testimonies where life feels like it is spinning out of control and much like a mulch bed full of undesirable weeds, Life is full of undesirable results from difficult choices and the mess left from sin and circumstance. At times, it may feel that sin has declared victory. It may feel easier to give up that there is no way forward. But the good news is Christ redeems Just as it is not our job to do the judging or separating, it's not our job to attempt to remove evil by our own efforts, it's not our job to compare our field to someone else's, it is God's job to do the work of redemption. Wordlaw points this out in his commentary, saying, the text points to a God who does not merely tolerate endlessly a world that is a mixture of good and evil, of faith and faithlessness, of triumph and tragedy, but who finally, in God's own good time, acts both to judge and to redeem the world. God is patient But God is also about the work of redemption. For I imagine there are moments in each of our stories or at our lowest or least redeemable, God did not quit on us. Even in times we did not see our own value or potential, Christ died for us. Even when our lives and priorities are all mixed up and we can't do the right thing even if we tried, Christ redeems us. Even when we don't love ourselves and we are worried that if people knew the real us, they would never understand, even then, 
God loves us. While we may look at others and see a field of wheat and tares, while we may look at ourselves and see a field of wheat and weeds, while we may look at the church and see a corpus per mixtum, God has a perfect vision. God sees redemption where we might only see faults. God sees redemption where we may only feel pain. God sees redemption where we might only find problems. God sees redemption where we might rather give up than to partner with this God toward this kingdom of heaven. Part of the challenge that Jesus is trying to instill in the disciples and in us is seeing the world through the eyes of Jesus. In seeing through this lens, a parable and mystery becomes more clear. For a field that was once intended by the evil one to be ruined, it will not be pulled up. It will not be destroyed. It will be redeemed. For God is making all things new. And still making all things new. And God invites us into this work of redemption. Not in the work of unearthing weeds among wheat. But in the work of seeing what others might become. And what we might become. God invites us into this work of redemption. Not by judging ourselves as better than others. But by seeing with the eyes of Jesus to love our neighbor as ourself. God invites us into this work of redemption, not by casting aside the challenges of serving in an imperfect church filled with imperfect people in an imperfect world, but by casting our vision and success toward the redemption offered by Jesus, not our own efforts. Church, we will always live in an imperfect world. And some may hear this parable as an invitation to passivity. But these words do not challenge us to be inactive in the face of evil or injustice or violence or wrongs within this world. But we are instead reminded that no human effort will rid the world of evil. For while we know that evil exists within this world, evil will not win out. Evil will also not be plucked up by rites of purification. But instead we can find joy and hope in knowing that the goodness of Christ endures. While evil may exist in the world, we do not live in an evil world. While weeds may grow among the wheat, it is still a wheat field. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. No human effort will rid the world of evil But God does not call us to be round up within this world. God calls us to be disciples, followers of Jesus, inspiring and inviting others to this hope and joy, to this love and peace, this grace and forgiveness, this redemption for the world. The harvest and salvation and redemption are sure when our hope is in Christ. Amen.